stopping in. Cup of tea? Honestly, we do wish we could get you a warm beverage, but warm words will have to do for now. This is the Sleep Mums podcast, the only podcast that hopes to help you and your baby go to sleep. I'm Kat Cubie, broadcaster and snoozy McSnoozerson, and this is Sarah Carpenter, baby and child expert and sleepy McSleeperton. I've clearly been watching too much children's television. <laughs> I'm working with sleepy McSleeperton just now. I've got like the proper bed socks and everything on because I'm so cold and I could just do the curling up in the doobie. I feel like I'm going to have made this fact up. So, uh, you know, if this is vague, <laughs> I do apologise. But I'm pretty sure there's research that shows that if you sleep with socks on, you sleep better. I'm going to have to go and Google that because I hate sleeping with socks on. This week, we're talking about moving to a big bed. A super king might be on your wish list, but this is when you move your baby from their cot to a toddler or a bigger bed. You may have been snuggling down for a bit of Netflix and chill when suddenly you hear a thud. Then a creeping and a creaking down the hall. I'm watching a scary thing on Netflix at the moment, so this is actually slightly freaking me out. (laughs) You pull the duvet closer. Nope. It's not the latest murder series you've been binging on. That was your suddenly not-so-small baby climbing out of their cot. Ah! (laughs) So you realise it might be time for a big bed. But how to do it? Like now. This move isn't usually quite as daunting as when you move your baby into their cot for the first time. However, depending on the age of your kiddo, it can still cause some anxiety. So what is the best way to go about it to give you a sleepy, not creepy, ending to the series. <laughs> Most toddlers move from crib to bed sometime between 18 months to about three years. And that wide range means that parents everywhere are making their own calls. And if they don't suddenly have a child appearing as they watch telly or get try to go to sleep themselves... They're trying to work out their gut feels and the signs that their child might be ready for a big bed. So Sarah, how do you know when it's time and how do you go about moving to a big bed? So first of all, I think it's really important to say that the age range is so varied. You know, some babies are going to be so much older than three before they move out of a cot and others you may have to, for circumstances, move them out sooner. So the main thing is that you really do make a plan and you're clear on it, I cannot emphasise enough that you don't want to just be standing in the bedroom one night and spur of the moments, the little one points to the bed and suddenly you've made the move without thinking about it because you can absolutely guarantee that within half an hour you're going to regret that decision. So yeah. 100% have a plan, don't give in to tantrums at bedtime um, in terms of like the baby just suddenly deciding that they're ready to move out, don't give in to that. And give yourself time and set the room up well in advance before you make the move. If they are older, then you can talk to them in detail about the change before you go ahead and do it as well. So, but in terms of age, you really you're not looking for an age to do it. I mean, everybody laughs, but Emily would still sleep in a cot if she was given half a chance. So, um, you know, at six and a half, she really was too big, but um, there is no hard and fast age. Yeah, I mean, my older two were both three and a half and like they were really adventurous but for some reason I don't know if we had big cots or you know but they stayed in their cots until that time and it was like suddenly started to to think what 
they were going to climb out but I was totally ready to move them and then we made a plan but I think most of my friends had moved their kids well before then and then as soon as they'd done it we're like oh man I wish I had it yeah I see that all the time that you know people rush to make that move because it might be that they're expecting number two and they think that they need the car straight away or they don't want to do it when number two's arrived or they might be planning a holiday and be worried about the setup, and so they rush to move them out of the cot. But genuinely, if they're not hurting themselves, there's no need to move them. And I suppose, like, one cot climbing incident doesn't mean it will happen again, but you do need to think about safety. You know, that is obviously the priority in any of these things. Yeah, safety is a key factor, but like you say, you know, just because they do it once, it doesn't mean that they're going to do it again. Um, and quite often thing children do it they haven't planned it how can you involve them in the plan like at any age so obviously if they don't have any language and you feel like they don't have that advanced um understanding then you wouldn't be involving them you know other than the fact that you're gonna take the cot down or take the side off the cot and you can chat about that very briefly there's no other involvement at that young age however if they're talking if they've made signs that they want to move out of the cot or if they have climbed out a couple of times and you're doing it for that reason, then talk to them about your reasons for moving them out of the cot. Talk to them about the new setup in the room. Talk to them about the fact that once they're in their bed, they stay in their bed. So just all the things that you would normally do when you're doing your bedtime routine, you just want to keep all that the same so that you're not disrupting things too much. Um, if they're getting new um, a new duvet cover or a new pillowcase or something, then you can involve them in choosing that to a certain extent. But you don't want to give them too much choice either. Um, and the most important thing is that when you are setting it up, setting the room up with a bed, again, you think about the safety factors. So, you know, a lot of the time, rather than adding things to the room, you're removing things. Because if you've had lamps and things with cords that have been safe while they've been in the cot, they might not be safe. It's monitor, baby monitors, lamps, humidifiers, the pull cords on a blind. You really need to be aware of where you're putting the bed and what's easy access for the child. Can I just jump back to something you said about making it kind of like soft landings? Does that not actually encourage, like if you're if you're kind of keeping them in, in the cot for a period of time, does that not actually encourage kids to climb out? No, not at all. You know, for some children, they just love their caught in their um, sleep environment so much that they're not bothered um you know if you've got a climber then yes they are more likely to climb out at some point however most children it's more of a boundary and if they know that they don't climb out then they follow that boundary it's the same with the high chair so you know if, if the rule is that you don't climb out they won't climb out i sort of found and i don't know if this is a thing at all because it sort of didn't last that long but I found that probably for six months to a year after I'd taken both of them out of the cot, because they were a bit older, it is like it's like they still had the boundary. Like they they wouldn't get out of their bed. And the bad thing about that is that they would just shout on me <laughs> in the middle of the night, I suppose. Might be nicer if they'd actually come through and creepily been staring at me whilst I was sleeping. <laughs> but um but it it did mean that they stayed in bed. I don't know if that was reinforced by being in the cot for longer. Oh, 100%. This is why I encourage people when they're making the transition from cot to bed that they keep them in a sleeping bag as well. Because if they're in their sleeping bag, they feel like they can't get out of bed. So it really helps to um, instill those new boundaries. And personally, I would much rather a child was sitting in bed calling on me so that I know that they're safe 
than coming out of bed in a sleepy state and toddling around and potentially encountering other hazards in the hall, etc. That's true. It's just in the middle of the night. You're like, really? Mama! Mama! (laughs) (laughs) So you've made a plan. You've made the bed. You've made sure your little one is made up about the move. What's next? Consistency. So this is the hard part. Ah, of course it is. (laughs) It is hard. You know, you do have to set your boundaries on night one. um, And if it's not working you have to go backwards, you know, go back to the call. It's not worth trying to kind of have a halfway point of like you may be lying in the bed with them and things like that. You know, if, if they're not ready to do this change, just go back to the call and be done with it, which is easier said than done as well, because sometimes they've had a taste of freedom and they don't want to go back. So you do have to be really sure that you're making the right decision. When you move and I was going to say both of the cots that we had, were ones that transformed into toddler beds. So it was sort of like once I'd made that decision, they there wasn't any going back. Or, you know, if you're expecting a sibling and you actually need that call, you might not have that kind of flexibility. Yeah, sometimes you don't, but you can use bed guards and things. So you can get a little um, cot bed-sized bed guard that goes on and acts like mm-hmm. a, a sort of barrier, like a, the edge of a cot, or you can flip the cot around so it's against the wall. And I guess, you know, uh, yes, of course you can go back, but as much as you can do to keep things the same, but just in a different sleeping space is probably a good thing. So, you know, uh, putting their bed where their cot used to be, for example. Yeah, definitely. Try not to change too many things in the room. You're All that you really want to be changing is the safety factors you don't want to be making any major changes because even though they haven't been getting out of the cots they've still likely been wandering around the room when they've been awake so they'll have a little path that they know and you don't want to change that up so that on in the middle of the night on in the first few nights they're getting out of bed and they're bumping into things oh that's such a good point never thought of that plus you have to make sure you've got the time to be consistent I suppose I know you mentioned like some people decide they're going to do it and then go off on holiday and they should stick to it but like surely you know if you're going to make a change you need to make sure you've got enough time to see that change through definitely like with anything when we're talking about making changes make a plan make sure you're doing it when you've got enough time to do it make sure that everyone is on board with the plan because you cannot have two parents arguing outside the door in the middle of the night about putting the cot side back on so you are so good at this that's what we're going to talk about next (laughs) (laughs) so next up it's team big bed this is kind of part of being consistent but it's not just about you because sometimes one of the hardest things is different people doing different bedtimes or different middles of the nights. So how do you make sure everyone deals with the move to a big bed in the same way? Plan, 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 talk it out, discuss it, write things down if you have to. It's not just children that need checklists you know sometimes mummies and daddies do as well so (laughs) if you need a little visual chart to make sure that you're all on the same page with bedtime do it there's nothing wrong with that but yeah definitely 
talk it out and don't talk it out at bedtime as with children you know when everyone's a little bit fractious after a hard day at work you're not going to have a successful discussion so wait until you've got time and wait until the weekend or until you've got a couple of days off before you do make any changes you don't want it to be a rushed partner's in from work at six o'clock and you've got half an hour to dismantle a cot and put a bed up and chuck everyone into it it's not going to work so you know really make sure that everybody's ready make sure that everyone is up for it and really try and reduce any aspects that are going to cause arguments around the children. As my seven-year-old said the other day at the end of the week and I said that I was really tired because I'd been working really hard she was like I have been working so hard <laughs> and I was like right yeah. I mean I know she has start a school oh, yeah. all of that but <laughs> still colouring in <laughs> oh it's so funny just now aren't they Emily turned down to me the other day and was like eh, mum just walk and talk we don't have time for this <laughs> <laughs> I mean you know when I say their voice is your voice I mean I'm getting <laughs> regret that (laughs) so presumably it's not just in terms of talking it through you're going to also have to be dealing with both possibly putting them to bed during the evening in the same way but also nighttime wake-ups you're going to have to be dealing with in the same way you know if one parent decides you need to have a consistent approach to bedtimes and to any overnight wake-ups and you need to both be on the same page so that you can support each other you know have a little plan in place for whether or not one person's going to do one full night and then you're going to swap it or if you're going to take wake-ups in turn or if you're going to mix it up and do 15 minutes each. You know, the first few nights could be a dream, but there's always that chance it could be a nightmare. Uh, plus, this move can sometimes coincide with children becoming a bit more aware of their surroundings. Like you mentioned, obviously, that you don't want to move things around so they bump into things in the middle of the night. But it can also be around the age that they start to get a little bit scared of the dark or have nightmares or night terrors as I have experienced a lot of um, and they often start to to kind of show their heads around three as well I think. Yeah no you're right there's so many hormonal changes and that results in you know various different changes uh, with their surroundings so it might be that having never previously had a nightlight you are introducing things like that as well at the same time as introducing the new bed so be patient talk these things out you know as with a lot of the bedtime and um, wait overnight waking advice for children try not to discuss anything or make any changes spur of the moment because they do need that time to prepare but take all their little niggles and queries seriously so if you need to carry a notebook with you and write down all their fears so that you can discuss them in the morning or fears and questions do that but don't dismiss them completely obviously you don't want to get into a three-hour conversation about the monster in the wardrobe in the middle of the night but if you dismiss it as nonsense that's not going to work either so please do take it seriously what about uh, Not that I'm talking about personal experience or anything, but what if you have a child that will not accept you not talking, not spending three hours discussing it, you know, that they won't settle until it has been discussed at length? Then it's important that, you know, even if you have to do that on night one, it's really important that the next day when everyone's awake and as refreshed as they can be, that you have an more mature conversation about it and you set some boundaries then. So it could be that you're saying, okay, you can ask, three questions in the middle of the night and I'll answer them 
but then we're just going to write the other queries down and discuss them the next day. So it's setting boundaries and sticking to them. And that is the main thing. You know, any boundary that you set, whether it's how many books you read, how many questions you ask, how many times to go to the toilet. Once you've set that boundary and discussed it with them, you do not adjust it. So I've realised, and maybe this is super obvious, but that my kids say my name when they're... So they say, they say, Mama, Mama, one more question. And then they go, Mama. Mama and I'm like, yes I'm here Mama Mama and they're saying Mama until they can think of their next question yes <laughs> I'm like my name is not your thinking time <laughs> yeah it's important to discuss the fact that we need quiet thinking time <laughs> yeah well it's when it turns to Mama that I know that I'm in trouble <laughs> <laughs> We talk about a sleep toolkit when their babies are like in our book, Sleep Better Baby. But it feels like that continues as they grow. So what are the things that you can have or that you need to help through this move, depending on their age? So what's, what's a kind of toolkit for moving to a big bed? So as we've already sort of touched on, safety is the first one. You know, you need to be aware of your surroundings and their surroundings. And you need to address absolutely everything. You cannot overthink safety. So, um, you know, just be over prepared with that. Think about your home. That gives you confidence and it gives them kind of confidence. Security and it gives you confidence. So, um, yeah. And you need to set your boundaries, um, whether that is alarm clocks, sleepy clocks, night lights music at bedtime, white noise, all those things, stories, you know, you need to be clear and you really, most importantly, need to try not to make too many changes away from the routine that you've already been using. You don't want it to be, you know, the... As in how they're used, you mean, like to keep boundaries around those things Uh, of how they're used. You don't suddenly want to change from, you know, 20 minutes of white noise to six hours of white noise and things like that. Like, don't don't try and plan for disasters. Just stick to the way that you've been using things yeah. and then adapt if you need to. If it doesn't continue to work, then you can adapt them. And again, with the bedtime routine, you know, don't suddenly, oh, we've moved to a big bed, we're not going to bath you anymore. If you've previously bathed every day, you know, try and yeah. keep that bedtime routine in place. If it's been that it's been one person always doing bedtime, the night or the week that you move into big bed is not the time to change that. You know, get the consistency with the big bed before you make any other changes like that. Um, obviously, keep it calm, which, you know, when you've returned a child to bed 150 times in an hour, it can be hard to keep it calm. But, you know, as with everything, it's yeah. so important. Would that be your expectation, though? Like, I mean, just in case anyone's listening and now freaking out, like, do you expect a child to get out of bed a lot of times when it they're moved into much bed. depends if the child was ready to make the move if the child is ready to make the move to a bed then no there should be zero problems however if there had if it's been spur of the moment move or if it's um you know if the child just generally isn't ready or if they just see it as a break for freedom then yes you're you can potentially have a lot of um get ups and returns to bed so you know, you, you do. So either you put a side on or you kind of commit to it and go, right, okay, this is going to be a tough yep. few days or a week and then hopefully it should get exactly. better. You want to be giving yourself seven to ten days of consistent approach to it before you make a change again. So seven to ten potentially horrific evenings before you really start to see the new routine take place. 
but so often it's not as bad as we think it's going to be. So I just really want to yeah. reassure parents that it doesn't, it's not necessarily going to be awful. <laughs> no, absolutely not. And also my experience is like at first, because it's a new thing and because they're like, it, like almost the putting them back to bed multiple times doesn't happen until further down the line. It's only like once they're comfortable, they're like, oh, yeah. I can get out of this bed. It's when they realise that they can get out, that you can then sometimes encounter a few unsettled evenings. And presumably this sort of slightly depends on the age that you've done it because, you you know, if they're a bit older, you're probably doing this anyway, but making sure you're putting them down to bed aware, as we say, for babies. So this isn't like, so that they're not asleep and then waking up in this bed yeah, and freaking definitely. out. And same, you know, Try and avoid falling asleep next to them because if you have gotten to bed beside them and they've fallen asleep, you've fallen asleep and then they wake up and you're not there, that also does cause that anxiety about a change in, in um, environment. I know this is not maybe, um, you know, like the expert way to do it, but because I have found that that works best for my son quite a lot of the time what we do is we set a timer he helps me to set a timer on my phone uh sorry on my watch rather so he knows that when he wakes up that if I've gone it's because the timer's gone off so we usually set it for 10 minutes and he usually falls asleep within that time frame so I he usually is asleep by the time I've left but essentially he doesn't freak out because we set no, the timer. You've been clear that you're not going to be there and you've made that plan with him. So that's different to just falling asleep or letting them fall asleep on you or next to you and then you're removing yourself. It's, you know, same when you're doing like a um, childcare drop-off, you know, you should never just vanish. You always say goodbye. It's the same. So you're yeah. being very clear with um, Roar that, you know, you're not going to be there. So you've explained that, you've made a plan with them and you've followed that through and stuck to the boundaries. Sometimes I need to vanish. <laughs> that's just a general statement no, I was going to say well do is there any reason they can't move straight from a crib to a big bed like do, do they do you have to do a toddler bed is that a thing or can you just no, my, bypass it my three all went straight to big beds we never had a cot bed so they just went straight from cot into bed now obviously Emily and I were ancient by the time they moved, so that was fine. But Alfie was only, um, I think this is really bad, like middle child syndrome. I've absolutely forgotten exactly how old he was, but I think he was about 16 months when he moved because he was a climber and had appeared too many nights on the trot. So yeah. he went straight into a, big, a, a proper single bed at 16 months. Right. With sides, like did you put... Like, you know, he didn't have sides because, again, because of his climb, uh, it was safer just to have a, a mattress on the floor for him that he could be popping right. onto. But actually he did, because he was such a competent climber as well, he was climbing in his sleeping bag. So I did move him in his <laughs> sleeping bag and he did stay in his bed in his sleeping bag. So Skills for life. Oh, yeah, I mean, that's elves. <laughs> and also, I suppose my daughter did fall out of bed quite a few times when she first, the, and it was a toddler bed. And so we then kind of rolled up a towel and put it under the sheet to kind of create a slight bumper, which definitely helped. And with my son, who's potentially mm -hmm. way past needing this, but he is such a kind of lively sleeper. We've got those sheets. I don't know if these are that considered that good, but we've got the sheets that zip, the duvet that zips onto the bottom sheet. So it sort of acts like a giant sleeping bag. And almost every single night that I go in yeah. to give him a kiss, good night. 
he's like half hanging out the bed and I'm like if he didn't have if he didn't have this special zip sheet situation he would absolutely probably fall out of bed every single night yeah I mean I think that's one of those things that you you'll work out your own way I used a um, pool noodle yeah when it was Emily and that was enough just to kind of keep her in but yeah you'll you'll kind of find your own thing I, do, I like the idea of the zip sheets though for staying on because that's one of the biggest factors with um, children when they do move into their own bed because you genuinely do move them out of the sleeping bag they are then waking up yeah. cold so you know I, do, I would advise always moving them in the sleeping bag or having something else like a warmer onesie style thing and um, something that can just keep them warm you're, you're almost going back to them being babies when they're back in all in ones again yeah and those yeah, socks keeping their feet warm <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, just you'll you'll work out your own thing for keeping your child in a environment that they're comfortable. But there's definitely various things on the market. I guess as with all of these things, just check out the safety of them too. Exactly. Now this is an extra tool in the kit, something for you and for them. I think it's also important to celebrate the wins, even the wee ones. So, Sarah, talk to me about winning. Yeah, so I think, you know, with any changes that you make or your child makes, you do want to reward yourself and them. You know, I wouldn't focus on it too much if things are going well. The child doesn't need a reward. They've moved into a bed. It's a developmental thing. That's fantastic. Don't focus on it too much. However, if you're feeling super proud of yourself, go out and buy that handbag that you've been looking for. So... You can reward yourself as much as you want. However, with the little ones, if they do struggle with the transition and you feel like you do need, do want to put things in place, just keep it super simple. So if you're using some sort of a reward chart or sticker chart, then you want a maximum of three things that they need to achieve. Reward charts only work if they're achievable. So, you know, if you give them 10 challenges a night that you're expecting them to achieve, it's not going to happen and they're going to get bored really quickly. So keep it simple, the obvious, and make sure that there's always at least one that they are going to achieve every night. And as with any sort of reward or sticker chart, like try and avoid having hundreds and hundreds of toys as the rewards like I like to do activities instead of um, things so going out on the bike going to the park going swimming and um, going to the cinema so we're a bit older things like that so once they've sort of gathered up you know they might get a sticker or a small sweetie or something for um, every every um, morning if they've achieved their things but then every week they might get a trip out or something but also you sort of don't want to get caught in a loop which I also have done of always needing to do it like ultimately you're working towards not needing those things for them to do something kind of simple so it's sort of quite good to have a time frame on it and I think as you say like not starting with it because it's it's sort of if you start with it you're suggesting they're not going to be able to achieve it and you almost want it to be like yeah of course you can do this absolutely so yeah you 100% do not want to start it until you absolutely need it and the way to sort of wean off it is if you're doing it every um if they're getting something every night then you would stretch it to them getting something every couple of nights and then it would be every three nights and just stretch it out that way and eventually you'll realize what happens if they regress when when you you do that go back a step you've always got the space to go back a step and then move forward again so if you've got to like four nights between rewards and then you suddenly see that they're starting to play up again just put the consistency back in place and go back to it being a more regular thing 
And you'll, you'll find eventually that it has just weaned out and you're not doing it at all. But if you're a parent, you do not need to ration your rewards. Celebrate yourself. No. Have a nice bath. <laughs> you know, you can reward yourself every day. That's <laughs> you made it through. You, you got it. <laughs> That's what my entire bar of uh, lint chocolate says to me at the end of the night. <laughs> As ever, we always want to answer your questions. Your questions are the most important thing to us because they put our advice to practice in the real world and we know how much you value them because you tell us. So here's this week's listener question. Hi, Kat and Sarah. I've just moved my toddler to a single bed, but bedtimes have become a nightmare since I've done it. I really wish I'd left him in his cot. Thanks. So you can't go back unless you are really having like serious consistent issues and baby your little one is young enough if you're sort of talking about a kind of two three year old then you really wouldn't want to go back to the crib at this stage so it's really for the kind of under twos you can you can just go backwards you need to make a plan for moving forward so start by thinking about what time bedtime is you might need to bring it half an hour earlier so that you have got the time for it to go wrong um, and that just means that it takes a little bit of the pressure off off of you and them and they'll probably value that kind of one-to-one exact time exactly uh-huh like look at why you think it's become a nightmare you know is there a specific part of the routine that's not working and um, is it just when you're leaving the room that they start to go a little bit haywire or is something happening before that so then start to think about what you can do to combat it. if the issue is starting as soon as you try to leave the room then make your exit a little bit more gradual you might have a sleepy chair in the room which you sit on and you move that out of the room slowly every few nights you know the chair's getting further away from the bed until you're on the other side of the door if you've still got a monitor set up you can show the child that monitor so you can explain to them you know cameras in your room mummy and daddy can see you when they're all over the house so we know that you're safe you know that we're watching this is how it works. You can see what we can see. You know, you go into the room, wave at um, your little one, and vice versa. Um, and that can really reassure them that actually, even though they haven't got that side of the cot anymore, they are still super safe in there because mummy and daddy are watching. We're watching you. <laughs> in a nice way. I think it does creep my daughter out a wee bit. <laughs> I feel like I'm obsessed with timers tonight or today but they are uh-huh. that's what we have also used you know be back in 10 minutes to give you a kiss and to kind of repeat yep. rinse Absolutely. repeat yep. timers are fantastic sometimes it's not 10 minutes it's whilst mummy has her dinner <laughs> exactly um no timers are really good and also th- this is something that i used to talk about all the time and i haven't talked about for ages in fact i don't even know if i've ever talked about it in a podcast which is incredible oh, exciting guys you are in for a treat oh, I'm Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> no, this, this slime. We're going to have to follow this up with a social media post so that I can explain it properly. But this, the slime tube, basically, it's a slime tube. So it, it's like when you have it next to a toddler's bed or a child's bed, it sort of acts like a lava lamp. So it isn't. You don't plug it in or anything. You just turn it upside down. But it's like big globules of slime. That, like an egg timer, like, but slime. Yeah, yeah, and it's big. It's quite, quite. They're quite big and chunky, and they can just lie and sort of watch the slime going working its way through. And you'll see their eyelids just getting super heavy as they watch the slime, and eventually they just drop off to sleep watching it. I used to use them all the time for loads and loads of different things. Um, 
and Emily has actually still got one, which she was watching the other night. Both of my kids say that they look at things until their eyes close. Like when I say, you know, it's time to go to sleep, close your eyes, and they're like, but they don't, they don't like closing their eyes. They want to be able to stare at something until their eyes sort of drift off themselves. Yeah, I think that's pretty common with children. I do think it's that certain personality where they have a bit of FOMO going on. Which, yeah. you know, busy brain. That is Emily and Indy and probably Rora as well. Yeah. Whereas Harry and Alfie have the slight lazier edge and are quite happy just to shut their eyes. <laughs> I'd like to go and shut my eyes. <laughs> there is no specific time you should move your toddler from a crib to a bed. Whilst most little ones begin transitioning to a big kid bed somewhere between the ages of two and three and a half, there are absolutely no hard rules about making the switch. Moving from a crib to a bed is still a really big transition for little ones that can result in night wanderings, fears and worries. And that's just the parents. It's best to try and conquer one big milestone at a time. So try to avoid making the move during other big life transitions like potty training, starting nursery or the arrival of a new baby. There can feel like there's a lot of growing up to do for kids of this age and stage and it can feel quite overwhelming. For parents, it can feel like the end of the baby era, which can be tough. I have kept my kids in their cots for as long as possible. Both were over three when they moved and, like, personally, I'm really glad I waited. Although reading their bedtime story is now much more comfortable. I just have to be careful not to fall asleep. As ever, we hope this helped. Get in touch with us online at The Sleep Mums on Facebook, Instagram and TikTok. And we've just joined YouTube. You can find our website with transcriptions of some of our podcasts and plenty of other useful things to thesleepmums.co.uk. Look after yourselves and sleep soon.